Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. And then I see, I look up and it's like the pick is in, but it says the Texans. I'm like, I just got picked. Like, that can't be true. And I'm like, nah, they just traded. And I'm like, oh, shoot, they finna get Will. And so, like, I had like the biggest smile on my face. So, man, I was super stoked. Like, me and Will, uh, we've known each other since high school. We played we played against each other all American Bowl. Uh, he couldn't sat me back then. So, we'll see if he can now. That's C.J. Stroud from Friday. It's part of the rhythm. It's part of the flow of the draft. They all get picked on Thursday night. Then they get whisked away to the cities where the teams are that drafted them, and they have press conferences. And when you have back-to-back first-round picks, you're sitting there with the guy. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, number two, number three, Houston Texans trying to turn it around. One of the big surprises, one of the big stories of draft weekend. The bad teams doing what they can to get better, and I don't think anybody made a more aggressive move Chris, this weekend than the Texans to try to reverse how things have been in recent years. No, we haven't seen something like that aggressive like that. In fact, I can't even remember the last time we saw something like that where one team makes a a pick in the top five and then trades back in to the top five and gets the very next pick two consecutive in a row. No, that was an aggressive organization, game-changing type of move to go, wait, we're flipping things around here. And these are two guys that we believe can kind of change that culture and do all of that. So good for them having that plan, being that aggressive, you know, good for them putting that out there and letting Danielle Jeremiah know about it, you know, the day before since he had it in his mock draft, right? Uh, that was gutsy in itself too right there. You know, Danielle Jeremiah called the shot. But, yeah, good move by the Texans, really aggressive. You did the subtle little fix there. You've got this thing about anyone named Daniel because your wife is Danielle. Every once in a while, Daniel comes out, as it did 30 seconds ago, as Danielle. Yeah, yeah, it, it probably does. It's, uh, you know, most of my life is, it what, did. Danielle? Yes, Danielle. Huh, Danielle? Sure, whatever you say, Danielle. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, that's uh, embedded in my brain for sure. <laughs> You know what's weird, too? Because it was such a busy weekend, it wasn't a normal weekend because there was no Friday night. It was all subsumed with the draft. Saturday was all draft. Yesterday was reaction to draft. It feels like it's been a long time since we did the show. I know. It feels like it's been a really long time. But it hasn't. Because there wasn't an opportunity to to reset over the weekend. No, it's only been three days. Usually on a Monday, it's four days. That's what makes it even stranger. It's shorter than usual, but it feels like it's been a really long time since we've done this. Well, there's a lot of news. There's a lot of things to hit on, and that's what we're going to hit on in this first segment. I mean, mean, Friday, the second and third rounds of the draft, I mean, you know, as we've known, the success rate for those two rounds is better than the one in the first round that we all pay attention to. So, yeah, there was a lot of damn good players drafted, and then all the quarterbacks and all the trades continued. So, yeah, it was a long weekend. It really was. Like, a long weekend, a fun weekend, action-packed. It didn't really feel like a weekend like you're talking about. Yesterday was the only day I felt like 
somewhat free. Mike, my best cat that I ever had in my life died on Saturday, so that crushed me this weekend. I shed some tears. Yeah, I know. I know you don't give a damn about cats, but this was uh, no. This one was a special one. But I feel bad for you. Listen, I know. I know. Hey, now now that we have a dog that we love like a human, right? I am so much more sensitive to and understanding of the emotions that people feel right when they lose a pet yeah. even though i still believe a cat would kill you if it could and <laughs> yes. joey porter jr and i had this conversation just last week <laughs> i i feel i feel bad for you that's horrible i don't even know how long cats live i just thought like they live a while and then they disappear and never come back i know yeah well they, they can do that but uh 18 years really is what she what she lived rome wow. right she was actually like a, a wedding gift from a really close friend of mine who, you know, belabored getting me the gift for the wedding, right? And they always say, what, you have a year, right? Till you get, you have like a year after the wedding date to still be in the wedding gift mode or whatever it was. Well, this good friend got it for me 366 days after I got married. But either way, it was a great gift. And yeah, my cat Rome, coolest cat I ever had. We knew it was coming to an end, but, yeah, she took her last breath Saturday afternoon. That was a sad moment for our family. Yeah, no, that's horrible. That is horrible. And, again, I can relate to it like never before. Not that I was ever completely cold-hearted to it, but I think until you have a pet that you truly love, you don't appreciate the pain that someone goes through, the emotional upset when a member of the family is gone because that's that's what these pets become. And and I used to – I used to – laugh at and deride people who would like oh you let your dog sleep in the bed what's wrong with you and i know you don't even let your dog on the couch but <laughs> yeah macy uh macy sneaks into the bed from time to time and uh we kind of like it you know so i mean it's kind of nice is. having part of the family instead like of said. out barking to try to get in there with us <laughs> right it's you know you yeah. just and it's and i and i i remember before we even got her i thought and this is five years now I remember thinking this dog's going to die someday and it's going to absolutely kill me. Right. Why am I doing this? Right. And, and stats who was with us at the time, his response was maybe you'll die first. So, <laughs> thanks. Stats. Thanks. That's, that's a great thanks. line by him. <laughs> five years later, you're still five here. years later. We're, we're, we're both here. We're still here. <laughs> Good. So, uh, also I, I was thinking about growing a beard because I don't know if you've noticed it. I got a spot on my chin that I keep cutting when I shave. I've seen it. And I don't know how that ever heals. Yeah. Like it's right there. How do you how do you cut it? How do you shave it without opening the wound? So I said, I'm not gonna shave Saturday or Sunday, and hopefully it'll heal and I'll be able to shave on Monday. And as of yesterday, I thought, and you know, like it's all white, like it's Santa Claus time. It's it's white, baby, and and it's like I'm gonna give it another day, and maybe I'll let it ride. I'll just let it ride. Let it ride. I always have that feeling when I go a couple of days without shaving. I'm gonna let it ride. I'm gonna let it ride. And then last night it started itching, and I thought, you know, tomorrow morning I'm gonna be running late, and I'm gonna want to shave, and I'm not gonna have time. So I shaved it all last night and cut my chin again, and that was the other side of it too. If I'm gonna go ahead and cut my chin, at least I'll do it the night before, and it'll stop bleeding. I won't be playing beat the clock to get my chin to stop bleeding before the show starts where you press the towel (laughs) against it really hard that's why i grab a towel and press it against it really hard my wife's like why is there blood all over the towel well i keep cutting my damn face so um anyway i i i I was gonna have a a three-day beard for you today oh i would have loved to have seen it i would have loved to have seen it i know you, you you told me how it comes in all white or all gray or whatever which is you know, funny because you're not that gray on top. But I, I don't know, Mike, what are you trying to do? Are you that obsessed with this Michael Mayer butt chin that you're literally trying to carve it into your own chin here? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yes. That's the way you can make your own cleft. You, try, you just keep uh, cutting dig your that chin thing in the out. same spot. <laughs> right. And the scar tissue, the scar tissue simulates a cleft. Yes, right. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you're going. Right. I do want to uh, see this this uh, beard at some point. I think that you know, next time we make a bet or a wager on something, maybe that's what I'll do to you. As of yesterday, I was going to do it. It's like, why not? Who cares? Like, what are they going to say to me? It'd be different if it was during football season. We got to be presentable for football night in America. But would anybody really care no. or notice at NBC if I started growing this grizzled, haggard beard 
They wouldn't care. It'd probably be an improvement. But I, I mean, who knows? Who knows what happened? Maybe you'd start to like it. You know, you'd look at like Greeny on ESPN, right? He grew it out once. He's never cut it ever since. He thinks he's the sexiest man alive with this beard. So who knows what would have happened with you? Oh, I, but yes, I don't think the I bosses would have cared or anything. It shows you, it shows you how shows you how little I watch ESPN. I didn't even know he had a beard. Oh, he said he's had it for a while. Like he started growing it towards the end of that, almost towards the end of the Golic and Greeny. There, I mean, it was towards the end of that, and his wife started telling him she liked it and everybody, and he's never going to cut it. He's 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 uh, it's, he's loving it now. He thinks he's Johnny GQ. Did you put both networks on? Thursday night like I just pick one and stick with it I went with NFL Network right draft and I just stuck with it I didn't turn ESPN on at all until Saturday because here's what happens by Saturday yeah by Saturday it's a waste of time to watch it because it eventually becomes not about the picks yes it's an extended exercise in talk radio and it's all the stuff you and I talk about all the time and a lot of the participants in the conversation are draft experts who don't follow the rest of the sport the way you and I do. So I get frustrated when I hear their hot takes that are just flat out wrong. So I go from one to the other, back to the other, back to the other, and I just finally say, screw it, I'll follow it online. Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, I'm a one-channel kind of guy too. I kind of back and forth at first, try to get a feel for it. You know, I, I'm, I'm for simple, so that's where I went with the NFL Network. They just keep it right there, the four guys at the desk, and they tell you the picks. You know, at, at times ESPN, it's to this set, to that set, to this set, to this person, to that sort. And I'm just like, wait, I just want to hear the guys talk about the draft and, you know, not hear everybody's angle on the whole thing. So that's where I kind of ended up sticking with the uh, NFL channel uh, throughout the draft. Another thing, another thing that surprised me before I move on, and we may as well get ourselves in a little trouble before we get to the, to the meat of, you know, continuing the hype and the pomp and the circumstance of the draft. I really was surprised, and maybe I've just never noticed it before. They sent out the email, the press release on Friday, bragging about the audience from Thursday night. Right. And for ABC, ESPN, and NFL Network combined, plus all digital platforms and ESPN Deportes, the average audience for the Thursday night, big night of the draft, was 11.4 million, which is better than other sports. As someone pointed out to me, it's more than the NBA Finals. Yes, it is. But it's like half the audience or less of a – normal, average, three-letter network primetime game. It pales in comparison to the numbers that we see every week, every week, every week, every week from games. And for as much focus as there is on the draft, I I think what it is for a very small portion of the fan base, it's like this 365-day-of-the-year obsession, right. and it's Christmas when Thursday night finally comes. And for those of us who cover it, it's a big deal. But when you look at the numbers, and I remember there was a time where they, they aspired to have every network that has an NFL relationship to have draft coverage the same night, like the election. That was a few years ago. And I remember thinking, that's a little ambitious. And and you know what? Maybe, I don't know, maybe it would deliver more than anything else does in prime time on three-letter networks now. But I just thought $11.4 million, in comparison to what we're used to talking about with NFL product, it really isn't that big of a number. And, of course, the absolute maximum audience, like total audience of anyone who tuned in at any point was like $32 million. And that's the number that they want to put a, a spotlight on. When the commissioner walked out to the podium on Saturday to talk about what a great audience it was, or Friday to talk about a great audience from Thursday night. He didn't say average audience of eleven point four. He he seized on the thirty two million number, but that's a little that's a little unrealistic. The average at any given moment audience watching all those networks on Thursday night was eleven point four million. Again, in this day and age where you can't draw that many people together to watch anything, it's significant. But in comparison to NFL games, it's. Well, it's kind of like yeah, yeah, you know, what, it's this never going to get there. Drawing in the the audience that I. I thought, but you know, I for for some reason I thought it did. I guess I just don't pay attention to the numbers, or I didn't until this year. I was just surprised because I thought it would at least do the same as a primetime game. No, it, it, I think there's still, like you said, it, it's the it's the fan base that's real. It's the part of the fan base that's really into the in the weeds. It's the football fan who, like you said, football is the number one sport for them all year round. You know, it just goes from like, oh, it's the regular season playoffs. Now I get into draft and free agency mode. That's my next favorite sport. But it's all encompassed around that. And then you get your, 
you know, I think even the guy that's outside the the weeds of the the football stuff, who's just a casual fan, who oh wait, let me turn in to see the top five picks, but still, damn, those are big numbers. I mean, there there's no if if my if, you know if I remember correctly, there's no sport in our country that does eleven point seven or eleven point nine in any of their finals. And like you said, and you you make fun of and laugh with. Like, it, it's a bunch of dudes walking on a stage. I mean, that's all we're looking at. Hey, I got picked. Look at a jersey. Hey, you 300,000 people just waiting to watch people walk on a stage. I mean, it's actually amazing that we all turn it, tune in and, and are so, like, just deadpanned on it and love it. So, I don't know. I was pretty amazed by that, mo- uh, that number, Mike. I, I was, I was kind of shocked, actually. Yeah, see, I, for some reason, I, don't know yeah. why I thought the number was right. bigger, maybe because in my mind, it's a bigger deal. It's as big of a deal as yeah. a regular season game. Yeah. But And we'll be there before too long, week one, week two, week three. That just, I think it makes the numbers that get generated even more impressive week in and week out, where people keep coming back for more NFL football. The late afternoon games on Sunday, the Sunday night game, the Monday night games do well, especially when they put them on ABC and they're trying to get Amazon to a higher and higher number as well uh, to get people to pivot to streaming one last point on the draft and, yeah and my wife and I were talking about this last night I I don't know what the answer to this is and it's funny that hey the crowd Thursday night incredible Friday night obviously it's not as big of a deal by Saturday very spotty packed in at the stage area right and it was a great beautiful day but like what what's there to why are you there like, I, I'm sure these people are milling about saying, what, what's going on? Nothing's going on. Every once in a while, that somebody that I have no idea who it is walks out to the to the podium and announces a pick, and it's somebody I've never heard of, and there's no anticipation. And I just – I've said in the past they should do day three somewhere else. And I know logistically it would be a challenge, but they could do it if they really wanted to. I feel like if it was some other place that didn't have the first two nights, it would be a bigger deal on Saturday to have it there. But – for whatever reason, it's something they've never seriously considered. But I've thought of that ever since they took it on the road. Do the first two nights in one place and give some other city the third day. And and it would be a huge deal that third day. But I, I feel like no matter where they do the third day. I think that's a There's a necessary like you said, cap on yes, the excitement. They right. never tell us the viewership numbers of the third day. No, no. They never, for a reason. We never know those numbers. No, you're right. And then it, it lacks, you know, the star power, right? That's part of the reason why we all tune in on the first two nights is there's, there's stars still there to be had. Guys where you go, oh, my gosh, we got this guy, and he's going to change our team, you know, whether that's pick 26 or pick 56. So I think that's where the intrigue is. But you're right. I mean, hey, Saturday, it's kind of a – yeah, it's it's a little bit of a, an afterthought. The picks start rolling so quick. There's nobody there on stage to be coming out and then holding a jersey. I mean, damn, what was it? Didn't I see Travis Kelsey was throwing his own concert and party there in in Kansas City with famous music guests, I think, on Saturday. So I'm sure that took some of the crowd away. But, yeah, Saturday is kind of just a uh, wrap-it-up type of day. Best moment on Saturday as we wrap it up and pivot to talking about the actual draft was when the Bengals fan came out to do a pick in round four, I think it was. And before he did it, he flipped the coin to troll the NFL over the whole coin oh, flip geez, playoff geez. location. I missed thing. that. That was great. That was great. <laughs> and, and you know, it's been three months, so it took me a few seconds to realize what what's going on here and it's like oh, oh, oh he's still mad he's still salty Bengals fans still salted they were the afterthought in the whole cancellation of the Bills Bengals game it was all about oh AFC championship between Chiefs and Bills and they had that weird thing where a coin flip would have been in order if they had lost to the Ravens week 18 but I thought that was well done and I have a feeling that they were probably pissed at him for doing it which makes me like it even more okay uh quarterbacks 14 were picked in the 2023 draft. A record 11 were taken in the top 150. Never before had that many been taken in the first 150 picks. Nine alone on day three. Pete raises a good question here. How much of this is the 49ers, no pun intended, struck gold with Brock Purdy last year? Do you have teams more willing to roll the dice on quarterbacks because you never know where that next Brock Purdy's going to come from. I think that's a little bit of it. I think everybody's looking for that guy. 
right? You know, I, I think that is one thing. Another thing, take teams like young quarterbacks that they feel like there's a little potential, and then they can mold them the way you know they see fit around their system, and they're chosen specifically to fit their system. I also think this was a pretty healthy middle class and had a little bit of everything to offer as far as the quarterbacks are concerned. You know, you got you had your quarterbacks that, you know, played a traditional way. You got some other ones that are a little more athletic and you can do some quarterback design run stuff there. You know, so uh, it, it was big number. It was. But, you know, it was a class that had been talked about a lot, even, you know, leading up to the, the draft process, even during the season. You know, everybody kept telling me, hey, it's a pretty good quarterback class. It's pretty deep. You know, even the, you know, the high level top end guys are damn good. So this is something that had it all. And then, you know, yeah, you got some talented guys. You could take some shots on in the mid-round, some proven guys where you go, wait, they played a lot of college football. They'll be a good backup for us. And, you know, a few other that you just go, hey, let's take a shot and maybe we can, you know, groom this guy into something. But it's the most important position in our sport. And, yeah, it showed this weekend. Well, and it got started with three of the first four picks, all quarterbacks, and then there was a long wait until – Friday night. Excuse and me. <laughs> I had heard, God bless you. Thank you. I had, you are so good, good looking. looking. That's an old Seinfeld bit. <laughs> uh, th- there had been, we reported this on Friday afternoon because part of the fun on Friday is getting in touch with executives, coaches, general managers to just, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? You get some good insights that way. And somebody pointed out to me that, Three teams were trying desperately. And I don't mean desperate like here, here's the keys, take whatever you want, but eagerly to get back into round one. The Titans, the Falcons, and the Raiders were all trying to get back in. And as it turns out, all three traded up in round two. They didn't make an offer that was enough to get someone to see fit to take it on Thursday night. But the Titans trade up to the second pick in round two after trying to get up to number one with the Steelers, who took Joey Porter Jr. there. The Titans get Will Levis with the second pick in round two. And, uh, you know, hey, I th- this is a guy who, and, and I wrote this on Friday, Chris. I talked to somebody about what happened to Will Levis. I was told this toe thing was bull crap. The toe had nothing to do with it. Yeah, right. What happens is once he slipped out of the top five, yep. <clears throat> teams get insecure about their own evaluations. And teams start to get nervous. Yeah. He's sliding for a reason. What did I miss? What did we miss? We can't take him now. Whoa, 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 whoa. We did our evaluation. We have a first-round grade on him, but we can't take him because others have passed on him. And it becomes an avalanche that way. And that's something for agents to keep in mind for the future because you got to get your guys prepared for everything. And Will Levis clearly wasn't prepared to fall out of round one. He clearly wasn't ready to sit there all night, or he wouldn't have been there. The video emerged on Friday from his pro day workout of him saying he's not going to go unless he knows he's going to be a high pick. So this is a dynamic that I don't think happens very often, but when it does, the kid ends up getting screwed. And teams started to second-guess their own evaluation of Will Levis. 20 to 25 teams had first-round grades on him. One general manager speculated to me. But once they start slipping, people get nervous about what they thought because they think they're missing something that others saw, yeah, so they back they off. Yeah, sure. And it just continues. And just one after another continues. Well, the guy in front of me didn't take him, so why am I taking him? Well, the, the two in front of me didn't take him, why am I taking him? And so it goes. And, and, he, and again, the Titans tried to get back into round one to get him. They would have preferred, I assume, to have the five-year contract yeah, with that right. fifth year option right. instead of a four year deal, but they end up moving up to get him on on Tuesday night. They have to be thrilled with it. Because it's huge. I, I think they and other teams are seriously taking him thinking about taking him in the top ten or top twelve. Well he's got that type of talent. I mean that's what he's got, right? You know, and, and yeah, great for the Tennessee Titans. They got a they got the quarterback of the future. You know, really a guy that's a lot like Ryan Tannehill but probably has not as consistent and that's one of the reasons he fell but has more of a, a high-end potential to reach, right? There, there's some of that. I mean, again, Will Levis, his arm, it is real. He makes some throws, and you go, oh, my gosh, wow, look at that thing go through the air. And, you know, the, the, the way it travels, spins, everything. You know, of course, he's a specimen athlete, as you see right here as you're watching on TV. All of that's there. I agree with you. 
that I think, yes, that plays in part, you know, that teams start to second guess once a guy falls. I think there is some of that. I think the other aspect, too, is that Will Levis, you know, as, mu- as talented as he was, just as we started this process and why he fell at, at one point and people thought he was going to end up being drafted in the 20s, was because I think coaches and, you know, again, we there was a lot of people out there, guys like me, we loved the talent, but there was just, it's all over the place at the position. And I think, too, once those first three guys were gone, which I think were loved by the majority of the football teams, Levis was the guy like, you know, hey, we like him, but do we really want to go that go that route? You know, there was a lot of talk about him and the inconsistencies of the play on the field and the guy off the field and all of that. That all went to Levis. And I think a little bit he just got stuck in no man's land as far as the Texans were thinking about taking him. They were one of the teams that really liked him. I think the Colts were the other team that really liked him. And I think a lot of the other teams were kind of like, eh, we like him, but we're not sure we want him to be our quarterback. So I think between what you said, what I'm saying right there, it kind of all met in the perfect place and you know, ended up making him fall to pick 33. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think the Colts seriously considered him. Yeah. At the end of the day, I believe what happened with the Colts, they they did uh, what I wrote about on Wednesday, and it goes back to when you unveiled your quarterback rankings and you used the superstar word with right. one guy and one guy only, Anthony Richardson. I think the Colts made the decision. They'd rather guess wrong about him being a superstar and take him and have yeah. it not pan out, right. then guess wrong about not taking him and have him become a superstar for some other team. He, They didn't want that to happen. Yeah, sure. So they're willing to roll the dice. They're willing to reach for the stars. I mean, this was a year where every top quarterback prospect has a question mark. There's no sure thing. There's no, this guy walks right in and becomes a star. You know, there's a sense already that Caleb Williams is that guy next year from USC, assuming he enters the draft. He's already the overwhelming favorite to be the number one overall pick. There's no one like that this year, so let's go get the guy who could be developed into a superstar because he has a skill set already that is off the charts that we've never seen before. And if all else fails, he's even better than Taysom Hill. I think we talked about that on Thursday before the draft, the idea that this is the guy, this is the guy, and he went to the Colts. But Jim Irsay came out and said it. Now, now, look, I don't know how much of it's bluster, but he's, he tweeted on Friday afternoon, hey, yeah. what if we draft Will Levis and we have Joe Montana and Steve Young? And then he said after the fact, if Richardson was gone, they, they might have taken Levis and they would have taken Richardson first overall. But if somebody had jumped them, if that trade up to number three had been to take right. Anthony Richardson, right. it's quite possible Will Levis would have gone fourth. And Chris, for him... It's like a $24 million yeah, difference in deal. initial contract. Right, right. It's a shame. It's a shame it happened to him, but he could have gone as high as number four. Well, I mean, I'm not shocked by that. You know, Chris Ballard, I think he's a guy that in the scouting community with the people would call, he's a traits guy. He likes guys with big-time traits, and he thinks, okay, now coaches develop them 
to show those traits on a consistent basis so he can, <clears throat> excuse me, deliver for our football team. So that's where Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, they have some traits where you go, oh, wow, that's special. Their body type, their athletic ability, their arm strength, where you go, that's, you know, a little bit of a different level right there. So I, I understand that. And I think that's, you know, the Colts, yeah, I, I believe them and take them at, the word, at their word there. Both of these guys, Richardson and Levis, are a little bit reach for the stars type of pick there. They really are. But I think ultimately, too, where Richardson goes for, and again, I'm just passing along messages that I've been told by a number of people. Everybody loved Richardson the person. Anybody I talked to in the process, man, Anthony Richardson, people loved him. They were blown away by his football IQ. I think a lot of people thought, wait, this is a guy that's only played 11 or 12 games in his college career. He's young. How much does he really know? I think people were very impressed with that. So it was a double whammy there where, you know, it, it seemed like, again, going through people I talked to, Levis and Stroud were the two that, you know, not that anybody didn't like them, but they were towards the bottom of the totem pole on who was liked the most in this process, right? Anybody I talked to, man, it was Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson were awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. They're great to be around. The other two, hey, we like them, but, you know, the other two were cooler. And I think some of that played into where Will Levis, you know, ended up falling, falling down the, the draft year as well. Well, the Titans had to be thrilled to get him man. where they got him. They traded up nine. Wait, they traded up eight spots in yeah. round two. They moved down nine spots in round three and gave up a third rounder next year to make it happen. Here's Rand Carthon, the first year Titans GM, making the call to Will Levis on Friday night and also Levis on the back end, why he left Kansas City after only one night of the draft. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share something with you. I saw your face last night, and, and, I, and I know that means something. I know you're driven. It was it's crazy. Uh, we, had a, we had a big family gathering planned. Um, tomorrow morning, like obviously, like um, was thinking there was a good shot that I would go yesterday. So the only, really, the only reason I didn't stay is because I couldn't get back home in time if I were to have left tomorrow. Um, so ended up coming back today. The flight was supposed to be at nine. It didn't get it up taken off until about twelve. Um, traffic on the way home from Newark. I live in Connecticut. I literally walked through the door as my name got called. It, it was so funny. Um, we're, we're all in our airport clothes and very different. Um, atmosphere compared to you know everyone getting dressed up with the with the nice suits and dresses last night but i mean this is what was meant to be and i was ecstatic to get the call i hope the titans are able to rescue him from whatever alien spacecraft he's been abducted by what the hell was that he's like upstairs. what he was like, that he looks like he's like upstairs <laughs> like in a, like a guest bedroom or like the third floor you know room that's like been made into a guest bedroom to get away from the uh the draft party or something there <laughs> and look i i don't I, i'm not giving the kid a hard time but welcome to the NFL where everything you say can and will be dissected and used against you if we think it's not completely the truth. I'm not buying this idea that he took off because they had a gathering. They can postpone the gathering. We can wait a day. He got the hell out of there because he was pissed off he wasn't drafted. And I'm not saying I blame him. He wasn't prepared for it. This all gets back to what the agents tell the guys. What is the floor? You better know as the agent what the floor is, and the guy better know before he subjects himself to that embarrassment of being the one who's sitting there. And there's so many photos and video clips of Will Levis pissed off because he was falling. And, you know, we now know the truth. He could have been a top five pick. I don't know if that makes it any better for him. He wasn't ready for what transpired. And it was a shame that it happened. And, you know, somebody was asking me on, on Friday, I mean, of the 17 guys at the draft on Thursday night, Four of them didn't get picked. It's not exactly a great batting average. No, by the not NFL. at all. It tells Ooh. you how crazy the first round was, and they had no field this well, year. Well, and here's the other side of it too, Chris. Who's going to tell the NFL the truth about whether or not they're going to take somebody with a first round pick? I mean, the, the league office. I'm not talking about the NFL. No, I, I hear one you. of those examples. I hear of situation you. Where, why do you hate the NFL? I love the NFL. But if I'm a team, I ain't trusting the league office. I don't know who's friends with who. Well, Look at the emails from yeah. Bruce Allen to Jeff Pash that, that came out a year or so ago. I don't know who's got a bias for some team, who worked for some team, who's working some scam, who's 
up to their own interests, not the league's interests, who may tell somebody else, hey, hey, be careful here. You know, the, the Colts really like this guy. So, no, I'm not giving anybody straight and clear and unvarnished maybe maybe that's why vegas didn't have a good a feel for the draft this year they didn't get the you know the inside word there you know maybe that's why maybe that's why it was all over the place but it, i think it was a little all over the place and i hear you with your point mike i do sorry i, I just jumped in there no it's fine but, but but that's that's you know three other guys ended up not getting picked I on know. thursday night who were there brian branch was the only one who went back everybody else left and i don't fault the guys who left for leaving because you, you assume when you get the invitation, you're going to be a first-round pick. Your agent really needs to be in a position to give you good information about what your floor really is. Some agents have access to that information, and some just don't. Joey Porter Jr. told me last week his window was 7-17, to 17, maybe 7-20, to 20, and he ended up not getting picked at all. So I don't blame any of the guys who didn't come back. And, and, and I mean, for Will Levis, and look, I know he's going through a, a tough emotional time, but... Just, just. I mean, I'd had no problem with him saying I didn't go back because I didn't get picked and I didn't want to sit there again. I didn't know how long it was going to last. I got no problem with that. Yeah. You know, you're free falling. You don't know how far that free fall is going to last. And for him, the good news was he was the first guy who had been in the room the night before who heard his name called the uh, the prior night. So, well, it could have so. been both, Mike. I mean, it could have been both. He could have wanted to get back. He could have, like you said, too. Yeah, he doesn't know how long he's going to wait there the next day. He thought he was going in the first round. You know, it didn't shake out that way. He he could be, you know, he could be telling the truth there that he had a family I, gathering. At that age, you know. At that at that so. age, I mean, I'm sure he did have a family gathering. Right. He could always postpone it. But at that age, my attitude would have been, screw everybody, I'm getting out of here. And, and, I'm gone. And, I'm and we got to give him credit. Out. But that's the other thing, too. He he handled it with class. He really did. You know, for, for as much as he was shown on the camera and, you know, people tried to make memes and everything else about him and his girlfriend and, you know, everything that he sat there through – you know, he, he did a really good job handling a very, very tough situation and didn't even seem bitter, you know, the next day, which I give him credit for. So, you know, good for Will Levis and the Tennessee Titans, and it looks like it's got the potential to be a match made in heaven there. I know what I would have been doing with that camera on me. I'd have had some itches up here on my forehead every time <laughs> yeah. they put the camera on me. That would have kept them. That would have kept them from ever putting the camera on me ever again. Uh, so he now enters Tennessee as – the bottom guy. This always happens. I remember when Ryan Tannehill was the top eight pick by the Dolphins. He was the number three guy. They like to give the young guy a, an opportunity to work his way up. They don't want to create the impression anybody's being handed anything. So he's number three behind Malik Willis, who all of a sudden has been forgotten, at number two and number one, Ryan Tannehill. Here's both Rand Carthon and head coach Mike Vrabel talking about Will Levis coexisting with the incumbent starter, Ryan Tannehill. Again, he's a player that, you know, had we wanted to choose him at 11, um, we most certainly could have. Uh, like we talked about last night, didn't expect for, you know, Peter to be there. Ryan, Ryan will be the starting quarterback on Monday. Malik will be the backup. Will will be the third quarterback. And, and what I've told them is whatever uh, happens after that will be up to the players. That That's... That's what it's always been here. That's that's what we always want it to be. Reached out to Ryan. Um, those things happen pretty fast. Um, would would say that was able to to reach out to him and then ultimately have a conversation with him and uh, explain to him what I told you um, and, and some other things that obviously will be remain between Rand and myself and Ryan um, and expect him to co compete. You know, just like Ryan has done every day since he's been here. And Ryan Tannehill had to deal with it last year when Malik Willis was a surprise third-round pick. Willis didn't develop. I think Willis an example of the disconnect that existed between Agreed, former GM Mike. John Robinson Agreed. and head coach Mike Vrabel. And Willis just not a Vrabel guy. When Willis got benched for Josh Dobbs week 17 for the Thursday night game against the Cowboys. Three days my of first prepare, thought was, or barely, a little more than that. Yeah, yeah. My, 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 thought, my thought was maybe he's a little banged up. They're saving him for the de facto AFC South championship game the next weekend. I, I had no idea that it was based on merit or the perception that they had a better chance of winning games with Dobbs. But then when Dobbs started week 18, it's like, 
Well, they're out on Malik Willis after only one year, so that doesn't surprise me. And it doesn't surprise me they went quarterback. Ryan Tannehill entering the last year of his contract. He's been around for a while. Injuries pop up from time to time, and he's not going to get fewer injuries as he gets older. It just felt like they're in that, that Alex Smith phase where we have a guy who's taken us as far as he can. Kirk Cousins as well. He's taken us as far as he can. We know what we are with him. If we ever want to be anything more than that, we, we got to reach a little bit higher, and that's what they're doing with Will Levis. And Rand Carthon kind of tiptoed around it. The idea that if Peter Skoronsky doesn't fall to them at 11, that he's the pick. I think their, their preference one gets C.J. Stroud at three, and I think they would have traded up to three to get C.J. Stroud if he'd been there after the Texans picked at two, or at least they would have tried to. Right, right. And then I think their their fallback became get Will Levis, and they ended up getting him in round two when they quite possibly would have taken him with the 11th pick if Peter Skoronsky had already been gone. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's amazing it worked out for them. It's it Really, it's, it's, you know, it's a little draft weekend gift they got there to get a franchise quarterback at pick 33 with that kind of talent. Yeah, usually guys are never on the board at that position at that pick. You know, the Titans, like you said, yeah, they're in a little bit of a transition altogether. Listen, I think you can go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, he's, he's one of those guys, like you talked about. He needs a certain team or help around him. He does, 100%. You know? But, yeah, this is a team, too, that it's shelf life is over. They're kind of like in the process of, hey, we want to be competitive, but we're also kind of flipping the roster over here a little bit in the process of that. You know, they're all in the process in the South now of chasing the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. They're the kings of the South, and it, it's only going upwards in that direction there. But, you know, to, to your point, Mike, about the quarterback situation there in Tennessee, yeah, I, this is not a good sign for Malik Willis, and I would agree with you. There was a disconnect there with that pick anyways. The way Vrabel seemed on the phone the other day when he was calling and talking to Will Levis, you know, and I think I even heard him say this is the perfect situation, right? So all of that matches up, and, and you know, he could sit behind a Ryan Tannehill, work on some of the mechanics he's got to do, and has a very similar skill set. But like you said, has, you know, greater ability in his arm and the ability to push the ball down the field. But, yes, I would think ultimately this is a bad sign for Malik Willis. He's out of the trust tree. We knew that last year, you know, and there obviously was, you know, some issues or whatever else that he needs to fix there, but – um, yeah, Will Levis, I think, has the inside track to be the future in Tennessee. I know what you're talking about with Vrabel. He was much happier. Right, right. On the phone. He had a talking. He had a smile. Because we didn't know who he was talking to. Yeah. Yeah. I know. A, a, far, a far cry from then, last year when they traded the A.J. Crick, Brown. The crick of the neck. he's walking around. Did we just he's, trade our best you know, player serenity away? Now. Crack, crack. Serenity now. Serenity <laughs> now. Insanity later, right. serenity now. <laughs> yes, uh, very happy with the outcome because they got the guy they would have taken at 11. They got both guys. The only loser in all this short term is Will Levis, who literally lost more than $24 million by falling from 4 to 33. And someone pointed out to me last night, when you're, the higher you are that you're picked, you actually unlock more money through the NFLPA's licensing stuff, right. another half million. Uh, who cares when you've already lost 24? What's another 500,000? And and look, the only good news is he's on a four-year contract like Dak Prescott was, like Jalen Hurts was. It puts pressure on the Titans if he pans out to take care of him because you're going to be in the franchise tag dance a year earlier because you don't have access to the fifth-year option. That's why the Titans were trying to get back into the bottom of round one to get that fifth-year option to have longer control over Will Levis. And really, by the time you get to the last few picks of round one, you're better off just going in round two. The financial difference yeah. isn't isn't nearly as much as it would be. Look at Daniel Jones when they didn't pick up the fifth-year option and the difference there financially, that right. fifth-year option, right. even though it's not an insignificant amount of money, you're better off getting the team in the position where they have to make the franchise tag decision or pay you or let you hit the open market. Okay, so we went 29 picks from Anthony Richardson to Will Levis. Then Hendon Hooker. And there was some chatter on Friday. I saw Daniel Jeremiah. Heard him say it. Some teams like Hendon Hooker more than they like Will Levis. Yeah, There's a chance I know Hooker that. goes before Levis right. when Levis was in the free fall. Hendon Hooker, 35 spots later, round three to the Detroit Lions. 
Chris, how surprised were you that Hooker lasted that long and that the Lions became the landing spot? Yeah, I, I was surprised he lasted that long. When, 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 you know, when all the networks came on on Friday night and we're talking about, you know, the teams you had you had written about three teams looking to trade up late in the first round, and there was all that talk about action in the top of the second. I, I was the same way. I was going, ooh, I wonder who exactly they're trading for. I know more than a handful of teams, Mike, that had Hendon Hooker above Will Levis. More than a handful. And when I say that, I mean more than five. That 100% Hendon Hooker was above Will Levis. So, you know, I was I was very intrigued by that too. But, yeah, man, when he got to the third round, I was going, wow, I just can't believe he's still sitting here on the board. And when you saw Detroit, you know, coming up the scroll, you said, oh, well, this just – it seems like it makes too much sense. I mean, you know, he'd be that type of guy. He fits the offense they want to run. You know, really, potentially, he has, you know, more potential than Jared Goff in a lot of ways. So, wow, to get that guy in the third round where I think a lot of teams, as you know, valued him and looked at him really as a first-round pick, but between age and his knee and the fact that he can't contribute to your team this year right now, I think that hurt him a little bit. And then some people didn't like that offense, which was, you know, another BS uh, complaint about him. But, man, big time, big time move by the Detroit Lions. Well, and it underscores for anyone who hasn't been paying attention, Jared Goff is not the long-term answer in Detroit. Right. We thought, and this was the reasonable conclusion, when they did that trade two years ago, Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford with the Lions getting two first-round picks and a third-round pick. One of those first-round picks was to please take the Jared Goff contract off our books. And from the Lions' perspective, the way it was structured, two years with Jared Goff and then see you later. Well, he played pretty well last year, so it's not see you later. He's got two years left under contract at a reasonable amount, and it may be see you later after that. Yeah. But they used that third-round pick on Hendon Hooker, and if Hendon Hooker develops the way that people think that he could, the way they think that he should at some point, just like it's going to be Ryan Tannehill to Will Levis, it's going to be Jared Goff to Hendon Hooker. No doubt. No doubt about it. I mean, that's what's exciting. The Lions, I, I think, had a really good draft. They might have overdrafted some guys in the first round, but I think they got guys that they had their eye on, that they wanted, and that they had to draft them 10 spots before the draft community thought their value started, then so be it. And I got no problem with that. And Hendon Hooker, yeah, he makes sense. He's a no-nonsense, football, tough, stands in the pocket, makes throws, does all of that. And like I said, he's got more talent than Jared Goff. You know, he's, he's a better thrower of the football. He's a better athlete. Goff is good. Don't get me wrong. But still, if you go back in the year and watch the year, they have to manage Jared Goff. They, it can't always just be let him go. Or, or he got the benefit of which I, you know, people lose sometimes and I have these conversations where they go, well, he had all these stats and all that. Well, yeah, when your defense just lets teams go up and down the field on him, you, as a quarterback, that sometimes could be very easy because it's just like, hey, wait, we just got to go, 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 go. And they're just, they, I've given the green light to just pull the trigger and throw, throw, throw because we can't stop anybody. You know, so he did have that benefit. I am not a believer in Jared Goff in the long term. And I think with that pick there, the Lions are kind of saying the same thing. And on that dynamic of the overdrafting, and you were very polite to the Lions, Jameer Gibbs at 12 felt like a reach. Right. Jack Campbell at 18, right. linebacker, felt like a reach. Definitely. Someone's explaining to me over the weekend, what, what happens is a team can develop conviction in not enough players. If you trade exactly. down and you don't get the guy that you would have taken, right. you have to have conviction in enough other guys that you'll, you're fine with it. Hey, you know what? We would have taken Jameer Gibbs at 12. We traded down to 20, and he was gone by the time we got there, but that's okay because we had other guys we really liked. Yes. If you don't develop a strong conviction in enough guys, you end up overdrafting. Yeah, exactly right. And I think, you know, you have a, your eye on a need, right? So you do. And I think that group, Mike, you're explaining it perfectly. That's what that group would be up there. Can't you picture that? I mean, can't you picture... You know, Dan Campbell and, and Spielman sitting around and be like, oh, he's not a Lions guy. We got to get a Lions guy, right? I mean, that's the way they are. Oh, we got a Lions guy. We got our eye on these. There, there's 500 guys in the draft, but there's only like 15 that are Lions guys, right? And I think that's what they are. They don't care. They don't care that they – I mean, Jack Campbell, yeah, they overdrafted him by 20, 30 picks probably. But they needed a middle linebacker, and they felt like he was the middle linebacker they liked, and they had the conviction like you talked about. 
And that's where I don't fault them because it fits the need with the guy they wanted, even though, yes, it is too early in the draft, and it's a good conversation. A lot of teams have this conversation about that balance, and the Lions just said, F you draft community. We'll take who we want when we want. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. And at the end of the day, if the guys work out, it really doesn't matter. No, right. And this is where we get into that debate of value and reaching and, hey, they got yeah, the guys right. that they wanted and they don't care That's if right. they could have traded down, gotten the same guys while accepting the risk that we don't get those guys, but we have other guys we like just as much. For the Lions, they didn't. So they took the guys they really liked when they could get them. Okay, day three quarterbacks, there was a run. Which ones stood out to you the most? Well, I, I think, you know, Stetson Bennett going in round four, I didn't think he would go that early. I know there was teams that liked him. You know, Stetson Bennett won. You know, he's played a lot of football. He's played a lot of big-time games. He, in a lot of ways, could be that guy where you go, wait, he could be our backup for, you know, a long time, and we could feel comfortable about it. He's smart. He ran a pro offense in Georgia, you know, with Todd Munkin. So he's got that baseline. He's played a lot of ball. He's played in some big-time moments. So if he had to be the backup quarterback for a four- or five-game run, we felt good about that. I think that was one that, that certainly jumped out to me. Um, and then, you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, him being still on the board there, you know, at round five, uh, and the Browns getting him. Man, the Browns, I, I, you know, that, that they got a guy there that not only could be a big-time backup for a long time, but I think be like one of those Tyler Huntley, ooh, wait, is he a starting quarterback? Even better than that. So those were the two that really jumped out to me more than, than others, Mike. Well, yeah, I know you had Dorian Thompson-Robinson in your – yeah, draft quarterback rankings. He at least got on the board. I think he was was he fifth. He was fifth. Was he I had fifth? him tied with Will, Will Levis. Levis. Yes, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah, you know, yeah. There, there's. And, go ahead, Mike. We don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. I don't think the Browns know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. This is a little insurance policy, a guy to develop in the event that Deshaun Watson doesn't become the guy that they're paying him to be. Not that they have any choice. They're stuck for four more years with the fully guaranteed contract. But at least they have somebody in the event that he gets injured or in the event that he just doesn't pan out. Because, hey, just because you're paying him doesn't mean you have to play him. If it doesn't get back to how it used to be for Deshaun Watson, they need somebody else who can play. And maybe, maybe, and it comes out. You know, this is the whole best available player versus need. Yeah, I think there's a little Peter ball King of that. Today. Yeah. He thinks best best available player. Best available player is out the window. Best available player is always crafted in the terms of what your needs are. You craft your board based upon your needs. Exactly. You can't separate the two. Right. These are humans that are making these boards. So, um, yeah, best available player at that spot and maybe in need. Hey, you still need a good backup. Josh Dobbs is their number two. They, they need somebody else there. Yeah, And it's a definitely. cheap spot. You get to round five. You develop the guy. And maybe you flip him. Hell, teams have done that. Definitely. Right? Andy Reid's the master of that. Yeah, Develop right. a backup. He plays a game or two. Everybody loves him. You flip him for a second-round pick. No, exactly. You know, I think there in the fifth round, the guy that's got starting potential, you know, I know there was people in football that looked at him like, man, the guy can play. You know, I don't know where the disconnect was there, but he does. He has a similar skill set to Sean Watson. He fits that offense in a lot of ways. I think it probably was one of those things where they went, wait, we don't – Joshua Dobbs, and really, again, there's a reason he was on the street in week 14 last year. In the perfect world, he's really your third stringer. You don't want him to be your backup. You know? So that's where you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think, will have great value for, for the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns got a good football team. And if, like you said, too, if something was to happen to Sean Watson, they got a guy that they can depend on to go in there and play at a pretty high level who's played a lot of football himself. So – you know, that was a good one. And I was happy to see, too, Mike, Max Duggan, you know, the TCU quarterback, go to the Chargers in the sixth round. I think that's a good spot for him. And he's got a big arm. He's a good athlete. And he needs some polish. He's a little bit of a raw, crazy quarterback that way. Misses a few throws that he shouldn't miss. But there's some high-end talent there. And Kellen Moore in that offense pushing the ball down the field, I do think he fits there. Let's go back to Stetson Bennett. Yeah, okay. Because I think some wondered whether he was even going to get drafted. The Rams, the way they explained it on Saturday night, Les Snead, and it's funny. I did no editorializing when I wrote the story, but the people who comment on it do the editorializing because Les Snead basically said, I was watching film of Georgia offensive linemen to see how they're holding off these SEC blockers, and that's when Stetson Bennett 
caught my eye. And, of course, the reaction was, the guy's been the quarterback of consecutive national championship teams. Right. Why did it take that right. for him to catch your eye? But but the reality is nobody was thinking Stetson Bennett no. had significant NFL prospects. But they, they like what he can do off schedule. You know, they, they rattled off all the coaching quarterback. Yeah, that's exactly right. That Stetson Bennett can do this. He can do that. And the connection to Matthew Stafford at Georgia. They're looking for someone they can develop. You know, there was some buzz. Maybe they'd get Will Levis. Look, they clearly need a developmental quarterback because Matthew Stafford is 35 going on 55. <laughs> yeah. He's had a ton of injuries that we know about and that we don't know about. And it just feels like he's like that car that is falling apart as it gets to the finish line. Can it hold together to get to the finish line? And how close is that finish line? I think it's closer than anyone realizes. They need somebody to be ready to go. Yeah, no, 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 doubt, no doubt about it. And I'm with you. And the fact that they had that top of the second round pick, I, I was sitting there going, wait, would they want to get Will Levis or Hendon Hooker here just for the future and start going that way? They decided not to. Yeah, they go with Stetson Bennett, you know, in a lot of ways, too. The backup they had there the last few years in John Wolford was very similar to that, too. It's that kind of guy, you know, smart, knows how to manage the offense, do all of that. Stetson Bennett, you know, he is a pretty good athlete. His arm does got a little pop in it, right? He's small. He played with the greatest advantage you're going to see any quarterback play the last two years. I mean, Georgia could do whatever they want to anybody, right? And... You know, so that, I think, you know, that was what I questioned, that, and then there's, you know, yeah, you see throws and you go, oh, wow, look, he's got a little pop and some pizzazz to him, but then, you know, I also could go, oh, the next five throws should have been like 150 more yards and we missed them completely and they're incomplete. That's where I couldn't quite get behind it, but I think the pedigree and the playing and the reps, that's what teams liked about Stetson Bennett, and yeah, four was a little high for me, but either way, the Rams believed in him. Yes, absolutely, they did. And uh, elsewhere, Clayton Toon, round five. Uh, I like Clayton Toon, Lane like quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I well, like him. And we still look. We don't know. We don't know when Kyler Murray's going to be healthy. Right. And this is a new regime, new GM, new coach. They're saying all the right things. They're doing all the right things. They're stuck with this contract. Torn ACL for a guy whose game is premised on speed and explosion. You, you just don't. You don't know. So you got to be ready. And you get to round five, if there's something about uh, – sorry, I said Tulane. Did I say Tulane? Is it Houston or Tulane? Why do He's I have Houston. Tulane in my brain? It's all right. I don't know. It's Houston. Okay, it's Houston. Tulane, Tulane, tune is Tulane minus the the uh, <laughs> the L and the A. So yes. that's that's why I – Yes, that's it's, why it's, you did without it. Without right, Louisiana. Great recovery. So right. yes. it's Houston. <laughs> there's still a T and a U and an N, but no E in Houston. So I could have used that excuse too. Uh, anyway, um, they have to they have to be ready. Look, you need quarterbacks on your roster. Their backup, Colt McCoy, who knows how much time he has left anyway. You've got to have quarterbacks. That's one thing that we saw last year from the 49ers. Yeah. You better be ready. You better have two, if not three, if not four, available to you because there's a chance you're going to need them. Even though the league tries to keep these guys in bubble wrap and it's rubbing the passer, roughing the passer, nothing the passer, whatever, to try to keep them healthy. Guys get injured. Yeah. You better have somebody who can come in and play. Yeah, that's right. And Clayton Toon, again, a little bit like we just talked about with Stetson Bennett. Clayton Toon, Mike, he was really the kind of the next guy up for me. You know, you'd, you'd mentioned my top five or six quarterbacks there with DTR. He was my next honorable mention. You know, his first off, 6'2", 220-ish. You know, ran a, I want to say a 4.6 or four five nine. He ran. He's a good athlete. He's a very consistent, you know, accurate thrower. Another guy, Mike, like Stetson Bennett, who's played, played a ton of college football. Got a ton of reps. I can't, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I think he was a four-year starter. If not, he was a three-year starter. I think, yeah, he's the backup of the future for the Arizona Cardinals. He's the next Colt McCoy for them. You know, he's young version Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. Uh, Colt will hold it down this year. You know, I know they got some other guys on their roster there, but Clayton Toon, I think, can be that guy. And, you know, again, I think he's another one of these backups where I look at him, you know, D Dorian Thompson Robinson, like we talked about, where I go, I'm not so sure they can't be starters when it's all said and done. There's some things there that I like about their game. 
Well, you know, the reality is, and we say this all the time, there aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around. You could argue there aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around. You need young guys, bring them in and develop them. And again, I think great observation by Pete, the Brock Purdy effect causing that run on quarterbacks in day three and more opportunities for guys to develop and stick around. I know. teams, regardless, regardless of whether or not they're going to change the rule to let you dress a third quarterback, you can keep guys on the practice squad. You can keep guys on the active roster even if they don't dress. Maybe we'll see a push toward teams having three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. I think so. Because we've seen a trend in recent years toward two, and then you have one or two on the practice squad. Maybe we're going to see more teams with three on the active roster, one on the practice squad, and develop, develop, develop. Because, again, you never know when you're going to need that guy. You know, the Vikings were in the mix for possibly, possibly a quarterback this year. I think once the first three went, that was it. If they were going to trade up for anybody, it was going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Anthony Richardson. They weren't interested in Levis or Hooker. They had a shot at them in round one. Uh, they get Jaron Hall from BYU in round five. And and Kirk Cousins, I, Brad, Brad Holmes said, and I think we're talking about this later, that the door's open on Cousins to sign an extension. But you know, you, you just you never know. You never know where you're going to find gold. You never know where you're going to get lucky. And I was watching a little Jaron Hall highlights over the weekend. And I, yeah, there may be something there. There's definitely a mobility there that Kirk yeah. Cousins doesn't yeah, have. Yeah, that's right. That's what he's got. That's that's right. He's he's actually got a little bit of like a, a Nick Mullins in him almost. Honestly, your your backup quarterback there, but maybe better athlete. Maybe that's not. That's not a ringing endorsement. Well, maybe not a quite as good a thrower. But yeah, Nick Mullins, he can hold down the fort. You know, again, that's, that's where I want – Nick Mullins is the perfect example where I want to tell everybody to pump the brakes again on, like, the whole – because that's all I heard this weekend. Oh, is there a Brock Purdy out there? Is there a Brock Purdy? I said, I don't know. Show, show me the quarterback that gets drafted by the all-star team and has the best offensive coach in football, and maybe I'll show you a Brock Purdy. You know, that's the other aspect that everyone just thinks, oh, we can all find a Brock Purdy. I don't know. Do they have the 49ers to play behind? Do they have Shanahan to call magic plays and make everybody open and run game and everything? I don't know there either, right? Brock Purdy's really good. I'm not sold he's like the answer forever for the 49ers. I mean, Shanahan's a magic man. He made Nick Mullins break records. We, we was on graphics, I remember, on Thursday Night Football, and the, John Gruden was on at the time. Look at Nick Mullins. It's through five starts. It's like him, Kurt Warner, and Peyton Manning. It's like, or it's Kurt Warner and somebody else. The greatest five starts ever. Yeah. All right. Again, the Shanahan effect. Not everybody's going to find, you know, or be able to develop these guys to that extent, but... You know, to your point, yeah, you got a guy there that could be a good backup for a long time. I don't think he has starting potential, Mike. <laughs> Sorry about that rant. And it didn't last. That's the thing. With Nick Mullins, it didn't last. No, it did not. Remember that Sunday night game against the Eagles when right. all of a sudden he thought he was playing for the Eagles because he kept throwing the football to <laughs> Eagles players instead That's of the right. Niners players. Uh, and the, the, one, the one thing, too, is when you watch these highlights, especially with quarterbacks, and this is, this is something I think I've learned from hanging around you, uh, the Vikings pushed out a highlight package of Jaron Hall. I would – omit from the highlight package any play where the receiver has to stop and wait for the ball like that's really not a <laughs> yeah. highlight throw right. right the guy's wide ass open and he's got to stop and wait for the ball not exactly the thing that you should put in the highlight unless there's just nothing else but but there was a nice little throw to the end zone that jaron hall had where he zipped it into a yeah tight he's got a nice motion an nfl type of a tight window yeah. so uh we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens with all these guys but you're right look it is on the guy to a certain point. It's on him to develop, to take it seriously, to mature, to study, to turn his life over to it. Tom Brady's message always was, if you're going to compete with me, you've got to surrender your life to the sport. Some guys are willing to do it. Some guys aren't. Some guys are able to do it. Some guys aren't. But it's also the team around him. What kind of support system do you have? What kind of coaching staff do you have? What kind of teammates do you have? What kind of ownership do you have? What kind of front office do you have? Are you playing for a team that charges you for your meals? Are you playing for a team that has F-minus weight room? Are you playing for a team that is going to nurture you and take care of you and make you feel like part of the family, make you feel like a human being, not a piece in a giant machine of interchangeable parts? That's all part of the development and getting this player to be the best he can be. Yeah. And at, at a certain point, well said. it's on the team, it's not on the kid. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, well said. Right. The kid's going to work on everything he can work on and do whatever he can. Now it's your job to formulate and, and you know, make him grow in the areas he's weak. And, and, you know, if he does have to play, 
your your ability as a playmaker to call plays and things that fit him physically. And then you go from there, and that is on it. And that's, you know, yeah, it's a huge, important piece of all of this development. Uh, so we'll see where it goes. We'll see if we got any of these guys that end up being, you know, a diamond in the haystack here and uh, end up being something. It is a good class. Well, I, it really I, was. I wish pl- – please stop saying diamond in the haystack. Here's why. There's always somebody – that doesn't know it's intentional. I honestly, so I, that I'm wasn't even have, intentional. That just came out of my mouth. I'm so used to saying them the wrong way now that they just come out. And I don't, I don't even think about it. I literally went through that one and went diamond in the haystack. Oh, I got it right. And then as you started to go, wait, I went, oh wait, it's needle in the haystack. It's diamond in the rough. So yes, I, I, I'm, I'm so bad at it that the the wrong way seems normal to me now. <laughs> Well, but that's the thing. To the extent you do these things intentionally, I get 10 emails yeah, good. saying, oh, there's a new Simsism. It's like, well, first of all, welcome to the show. It's <laughs> yeah. something he says so often. We just accept it. And it's part of the it's part of the bit. Right. So I know who the new arrivals are. And I guess that's good news. Yeah. I shouldn't complain about it. If I'm getting a bunch of emails from people saying that's a Simsism, it shows that they have discovered the show more recently or they've just forgotten. <laughs> Maybe that's it, too. Be that Maybe too. they're old and they've forgotten. I don't know. We do appeal to a certain demographic, uh, <laughs> as I'm learning, given my advancing age. And by the way, by the way, we have done it. We've busted through the one-hour wall. Wow. 62 minutes for the opening segment, which means 58 minutes for six segments before we're done. Either way, the show ends at 9. Stick around to see how much we can fit in over the course of the next 57 minutes. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.